It is Monday, June 5th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. I'm Mackenzie Rivers. The Heat even up the NBA Finals. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The Heat beat the Nuggets 111-108, evening up the NBA Finals at a game apiece. Mackenzie Rivers, our NBA guru, is with me here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. And Mac, this is now the third largest upset in NBA Finals history, I guess, since the merger. And wow. it, it's the second one since, like, it's the, the, the second largest since the Heat beat the Lakers in 2020 as, I believe, a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. So the biggest upsets in the NBA Finals, 2001 76ers, Lakers, 11-and-a-half-point dogs. Game 3, 2020, Heat, Lakers, nine-and-a-half-point dogs. And then last night, Game 2, 2023, Heat, Nuggets, eight-and-a-half-point dogs. And all the money came in on Miami, very sharp money from nine, as we talked about with Fez uh, last time we did a show. He was correct. Those nines were not around, and neither were the eight and a halfs at close. Only eight was available if you were looking to get Miami plus the points, but it didn't matter because they won outright. And I think that tells the story. Um, You mentioned, I remember that 2001 game, game one. Uh, It seemed like the greatest team in the world in the Lakers. They'd literally not lost in the playoffs versus pretty weak Eastern Conference finalists in the Sixers. It was 11 and a half points. That was a much bigger gap than the eight points that we're seeing now. I think that's a product of the way the game is played, the higher totals, the game of runs. I mean, this was an insane game of runs. Heat up 11 in the first quarter. Nuggets up 15 in a flash of an eye in the second quarter. Maintained that lead, entered the fourth quarter up eight. And for the second straight game, the Heat dominated the fourth quarter in this matchup, whether that's coaching, whether that's Jokic is tired. It doesn't seem to me to be a coincidence that they're now plus 21 in two fourth quarters. These, this Miami Heat team, and for the first time in 300 and no, way more than that, the first time this year, the first time in maybe a decade, I think the Miami Heat actually have a shot at winning the title. Wow. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, when this game went to the fourth quarter, after seeing Denver, what was it, like a 22-3 to run stretching from the end of the first quarter into the second quarter, and then uh, so they go into the half with the lead, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they win the third quarter as well. Going into the fourth quarter, I did not see Miami winning this game. I was just thinking, you know what, they can probably cover. And to to see what they were able to do in that fourth quarter, um, where, you know, Jokic did his thing, 41 points. He It's it's not about him, but I didn't like the final possession from Denver. It's all about him. Yeah, but... I, it's you know, all about Jokic, and it's, it's not because Jokic is, is anything less than maybe the best basketball player in the world, or at least in a top three conversation, but if he can't do what he has done all season to give the Nuggets success and they make him do something different, um, it didn't work. They played, and I talked about in the last pod we did, uh, I don't think the Nuggets' offense can be slowed down. Well, it it can be, apparently. They they played a very quirky zone in the fourth quarter, and Jokic did all that he could do, but he could not connect. He could not be tethered 
to his other teammates, and they all very, very much struggled uh, without giving him those easy opportunities, which he usually is able to do. So Only is it, four assists in this one. That's what I was going to say. Is that the most telling stat that you see uh, when you look at the box score from this game is that Jokic only had four assists, which is his lowest total since, uh, I don't even know, go back to you know some times in the regular season. Yeah, it, it very much is, and the Warriors did this um, last playoffs, and obviously it was a much weaker Nuggets team, no Jamal Murray, but they they let Jokic score 31 a game against them, and they were very happy to do so. They ended up winning in five. Bam Adebayo is every bit the mobile defender that Draymond Green is, so they can leave him out on an island, and they can press you know, man coverage like the NFL, triangle up. They can be very, very close to their man, um, and, and they are not getting any separation. Michael Porter Jr., very, very young man to be in these NBA finals. I mean, remember, uh, Tatum was so bad. Everyone talked about how bad Tatum was shooting under 37% in the finals at a, as a 24-year-old man at his first trip. Well, so did Kobe. So did Kobe in 2000 when he first made it to the NBA finals. So did LeBron. I mean, these are the best of the best players ever. Michael Porter Jr. was supposed to be that guy. He was expected to be number one, had some bad. But now he's seven for 24 in these finals. Jamal Murray had a big game one, was pretty quiet in game two. And I'm not sure who's stepping up. Like, I really thought the Nuggets would cruise. Their offense was too powerful, too multifaceted. But this might be an Eric Spolstra Hall of Fame real type season where they just come up with different quirks. And I, it, the Heat hit almost 50% of their threes. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's random or luck. Like the threes that they're getting, the amount of guys they can throw out there to hope to get hot, uh, they're all in rhythm. They're all comfortable. The Nuggets don't seem comfortable right now. And Miami is an underdog in game three, but um, that's a pivotal game. I could easily see them winning the next two and then closing it out in six if the Nuggets get one back in game five. So a couple of things. Um, Jimmy Butler doesn't have the massive scoring output that you would usually see from Butler right. in a Miami win. Now, Jokic did what we've seen him do in losses, right? Because you, you, you've detailed the stats now. It's averaging, what, 40? It's 40-something it's points a game in losses this postseason. Uh, Butler only finishes with 21 points. When you look at the scoring output from the Miami Heat, are you surprised at how spread out it was? Yes, I am. And, and I think it's credit to Jimmy Butler because he's not the same physical specimen that he was before his ankle injury. And maybe I'm giving him, you know, too much slack, but the numbers are so stark where first eight games of this postseason, he's averaging 33 a game on amazing efficiency. He hurts his ankle at the end of game one versus the Knicks, can't play a game. And then since then, he's averaging under 23 points per game, but nine key assists and the timely buckets in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's the kind of thing you do to, you know, win one for the Gipper. Everyone's rallying around him because he's not, 100% physically right there, and the, although he would say nobody cares. But they're finding other ways to do it, and Gabe Vincent was the man, Matt Struess was the man, and Jimmy Butler will take all the shots. He took 19 shots. That's right in line with his averages this postseason. He will take the shots necessary, whether he's making them or missing them, and he's putting the pressure on the defense uh, to create enough opportunities for everyone. And Batman Adebayo woke up out of his slumber, and as long as those two guys are giving you 45, you got a chance. Uh, Bam Adebayo has been great in, in this in this particular matchup, he was not great against Boston. Something noticeable when you're watching this game as opposed to game one, the Miami Heat only took two free throws in game one. The free throw disparity in game two was much more even. It was like 22 to 20 or something like that. When you, when you consider 
that aspect of the game, it really shouldn't be that surprising that Miami won this game. Yeah, and me and many other people like me will say, is that really a coincidence that the NBA really needed this, this series to win? Um, no, it's not. And 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 they called it a lot tighter. And I will also say Jimmy Butler was a lot more aggressive getting five free throws after uh, none in game one. But yeah, maybe maybe they just picked refs that were that were going to call a little tighter, give, give the Heat the benefit of the doubt in situations that they're generally getting the benefit of the doubt. Behind the Lakers, they were the number one free throw differential team in the NBA this season. So it's not surprising to see them at the line a bunch, even though they were slightly you know out of shot from the free throw line. I will say this: there were three consecutive plays near the end of the third quarter, maybe the beginning of the fourth quarter, where it was an out of bounds play and Jokic was involved. And I think honestly, all three times it should have been Nuggets ball. And all three times, it was heat ball. Mm. And it's not so much that those were three missed calls, although they were, arguably. The reaction from Jokic and the rest of the Nuggets really drove home the point that this is their first time in the NBA Finals. This is their first time on this stage, this global stage. Uh, they played some of the Serbian audio tape. This is the you know, big moments in their life. And, and they seem a little flustered. And Miami, that institution, uh, that culture has been there. They've been in the Finals you know, seven times. Uh, in the last ten, what last fifteen years? No, yeah, last eleven years. They've been in the finals seven times. Uh, unbelievable when you think about it from that perspective. They don't seem flustered at all, and that's why, although they are the inferior team, like they were against the Bucks, like they were against the Celtics, I'm seeing the confetti coming down in South Beach. It's just starting to picture in my mind that that makes sense. Uh, they can hit a bunch of threes three more times in this series, and that's what they're going to need to do. Last night was the Heat's seventh double-digit comeback win this postseason. It's tied for the most comeback wins by double digits in a single postseason in the last 25 years. The Warriors did it last year with seven double-digit comeback wins. And the Miami Heat in both 2011 and 2012 had seven double-digit comeback wins in that postseason. When you look at this list and you see three Eric Spolstra coached teams, yeah, it, it it kind of lends you to the idea that he has something to do with this. It's amazing. And in 2011, it's funny you mentioned that because there was not one, there was probably one million Heat fans that thought Eric Spolstra should be fired after losing the 2011 finals. But maybe he didn't, maybe he knew what he was doing all along. Uh, Pat Riley knows what he's doing all along, so the fact that he gave him the nod probably probably should have spoken volumes to us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, also in the fourth quarter, the Heat shot 68.8%. Third highest fourth quarter field goal percentage in the fourth quarter uh, of an NBA Finals game in the last 25 years. So they shot lights out in the fourth. That's how you come back from down double digits. So talk to me about game three. The series shifting to Miami, and I think Fez would agree now that the Miami Heat stole home court advantage, right? <laughs> I'm not sure how he takes kind of home court advantage. There's five games left. Uh, he'd have three of them, so I guess the Heat have home court advantage. Yeah, that's... Uh, if the, yeah, if that... the Nuggets win, there will be four games left, and the Nuggets will have two of them, so I guess there's no home court advantage <laughs> for Fez rules. Either way, the Heat have a great shot, and they didn't, I would say, entering tonight by, you know, by the numbers. Uh Sleepy Jay has been telling me the whole time, uh, forget about game one, they were tired, forget about the Nuggets offense, they're really a two-man show masquerading as this deep team. He looks he looked pretty correct in game two, but the Vegas market gives the Nuggets the better the the betting chance, better chance to win. Opened up as a two-point favorite, moved quickly to two and a half. 
uh, implies about a 58% chance that the Nuggets make it a 2-1 series in their favor. Um, so that's where we're at right now. As far as the total, I mean, we, we talked about this game, too, obviously, last week. We, we, we agreed. We liked Miami. We liked the over. Just because of the overreaction that yes. we saw from the market by pushing the number lower and lower. So do you think now that the market is kind of correcting itself on the game total? The, the fact that the Heat started Kevin Love was really a great boon to our, our over bets. Uh, it, kind of set, it kind of set the tone for the Heat playing, throwing those outlet passes, throwing mm-hmm, a bunch mm-hmm. of threes up. And I don't think it's a coincidence, or it's kind of just fitting, that it ended 219, which is exactly where game one closed. Uh, probably should have been at 219, and then Vegas wouldn't have been punished and all this over money coming in late. Went as far as 214, b- betters came in on the over bet up at 216. And that's where we're at right now, 215 and a half, 216. Uh, the change of venue, often, you know, hot shooters get cool, but there's so many different um, pool shooters that can get hot. I wouldn't necessarily expect it for game three. Jokic, a minus 260 favorite still to be the most valuable player. Jimmy Butler is plus 430. And look who is emerging. Bam Adebayo, plus 650 to be the MVP. He's been the clear MVP for the Heat through two games. Um, yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily see uh, the Heat changing very much on offense. That is their offensive advantage right now. Uh, if you like the Heat, plus 630 is interesting. It's, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I've talked about it all playoffs. There's really no chance anyone other than Butler, but uh, with his injury, with his playing style at the current moment, with bad man Abayo, finding something on offense, I could see it. I'm starting to see it. Yeah, so the Heat are plus 220 for the series, and Bam Adebayo plus 650 for the MVP, and Jokic pretty much a direct correlation at this point for the Nuggets. Nuggets minus 270 to win the series, and yes. Jokic minus Scott, 260. we're safe. We're safe, we're exactly. Safe, you know? we're, we're safe. Jamal Murray plus 4,200, so I think we are okay on that We're going to get our pizza pies. Well, at the, I think we're going to have to combine our money to get one pizza pie, though. <laughs> Like the 10 that I'll win from RJ <laughs> plus the 10 you'll win from Fezzik, that should be enough to get us like maybe one yeah, pie. Medium. Yeah, maybe Papa John's. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. nothing, nothing crazy. <laughs> nothing nothing crazy. We'll, we'll take advantage of some $6.99 deals or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's RJ Bell for Rocket Money. Listen, you know, there's no locks. You know that for sure. But almost a lock is each and every one of you has things you're paying for each and every month that you don't use or aren't worth how much you're paying for them. There's a better alternative. And we have Scott Seidenberg with us to tell about one of his discoveries with Rocket Money. Yeah, discovered that I was still paying for an old editing software that I hadn't used in months. Let's be honest, it was years. And listen, be honest with yourself. Think of the things you've bought. Think about the times you've had a free trial And all of a sudden, it auto-billed in, and it's been auto-billing. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash RJ. That's rocketmoney.com slash RJ. Rocketmoney.com slash RJ. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is RJ Bell, and... I got to tell you, this is one I feel very seriously about. You know, I'm of an interesting age in that I can remember before computers were prominent, before the Internet. And I remember my whole career has been built with the Internet. I've seen the age and time when if you had 
issues, when you had something you wanted to talk to a professional about, there was apprehension. And one of the things that I think we've evolved as a society in such a wonderful way is we all understand help is a good thing. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. All of your interactions with your therapist entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RJ to get 10% off your first month. Do it today. That's BetterHelp.com slash RJ. Stanley Cup final game two tonight here in Vegas. The Golden Knights with a one game to none lead over the Florida Panthers after the 5-2 win in game one. And the Knights uh, open up as the favorite once again here in game two. VGK about minus 135, minus 140. Total is five and a half. Juiced to the over as that game goes over in game one. Although, you know, McKenzie... I kind of, I thought I was good with my under until Florida scored with 12 seconds left in the second period. Yeah, 2-2 entering the third. That goal with 12 seconds left, an incredible play off the faceoff, so kudos to them. But when you, when you let a goal, like I always say, the late goal is the over's best friend. Like I know I'm going to hit an over when a team scores a goal with like a minute left in a period. I just know. I just like it's like it's like I got that feeling. And having the under and then instead of it being a 2-1 game going into the third period with 12 seconds left, now it's a 2-2 game just changes everything. At that point I'm just praying for overtime, but uh Vegas was too good in the third period as they uh get the empty netter and they win 5-2. And it's interesting when you look at the uh, the expected numbers, the analytical numbers in that game, it was pretty much a tie. 2.28 expected goals to 2.38 expected goals. This was a a real even game as far as the expected goals numbers are concerned. Where Vegas had an advantage, though, was the high danger scoring chances. They had more, um, you know, high danger chances that ultimately led to goals as opposed to the Florida Panthers. You know, the Panthers scored one of their two goals off of that set play, as I talked about, on that faceoff with 12 seconds left. Not exactly a high danger, not a breakaway, not an odd man rush. It was, you know, a set faceoff play and a deflection. So Vegas did very well in that third period, the three goals in the third period, although I only count, you know, I say two of them, they scored the empty netter. Two goals in the third period, gets the job done, and Aiden Hill, You know, remember I I talked about him before the series started, and I even tweeted it out. This is a tweet that you liked, McKenzie. Yeah, blind resume test. I gave the blind resume test on both goaltenders in the Stanley Cup final. And yes, Sergei Bobrovsky of the Florida Panthers has had an incredible postseason. An incredible postseason. And... He is the favorite or was the overwhelming favorite to win the Conn Smythe as the MVP of the Stanley Cup playoffs, not just the Stanley Cup final. But Aiden Hill's numbers were right up there with Sergei Bobrovsky. Like, to the point where why was one player plus 200 and another player plus 1,200? Didn't make sense. 
Well, Aiden Hill, in game one of the Stanley Cup final, stopped 33 of 35 shots. Yes, Bobrovsky, you know, made 29 saves, but he let in four goals. Hill let in two goals on 35 shots. Well, now we've seen the odds uh, even out a little bit. Bobrovsky is still the favorite at plus 300. Aiden Hill is down to plus 800. And another performance like he had in game one, Hill will tick down a little bit further even. But remember what I also said about who could win the Conn Smythe if Vegas wins the Cup. Vegas scores too much. And when they score, the goaltending performance tends to get overlooked. When you score five goals, 33 saves get overlooked. If they would have won this game 3-2, to two, I think more of the conversation would have been about Aiden Hill. But when they score five goals, you're talking about Jonathan Marchessault scoring on the power play. You're talking about, you know, um, uh, Mark Stone scoring his seventh goal of the playoffs. And so that's why you see guys like Marchessault at plus 450 or Jack Eichel at plus 330 as he's racking up the assists. So I think in order for Aiden Hill to win the Conn Smythe, Vegas is going to have to win a low-scoring game, or he's going to have to pitch a shutout in order for him to win this award. Otherwise, it's probably going to go to Jonathan Marchessault, in my opinion. And right now, you can still get decent value. He's at plus 450. But for game two tonight, I do think that we revert back to the handicap that I had in game number one, which is the under. Uh, I still like both of these goaltenders, and I still like the fact, or I believe the fact that Vegas's goals beyond expectation will revert back. And they were expected to only score 2.3 goals as opposed to five in game number one. So I think we see a similar, you know, I think it's going to be like a 3-1 type game tonight, uh, in my opinion, or maybe even a a, a 4-1 type game if Vegas does continue their scoring surge. Well, we talked about how Bobrovsky, uh, I will say that attempt to say that once from now on. I'll say the you, Panthers. You did it well. You did it really well. <laughs> we, he was plus seventeen goals better than expectation. Yes. So if, if he drops two and a half goals versus expectation, he's still far beyond doing better than he ha- uh, than you know he's expected to do. My question to you is, and uh, a user brought this up to me on Twitter, Michael in Toronto. Shout out. Do you think it's a coincidence that he had ten days off and the hottest goalkeeper in the world got to sit, uh, you know, in that glory of being the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment, and maybe. Maybe he just he lost it, and he's back to where he was in the middle of the season, which is you know one of the better goalkeepers, but not necessarily better than a guy like Aiden Hill. Um, not so. Maybe I don't want to say lost it, but I do think that momentum has a lot to do with it. I do think when you're hot, you're hot, and as hot as Bobrovsky has been in the playoffs, it's like you don't want any days off, right? right I mean, right. you just you, you just want to get back out there and play because <laughs> um, he's like just so locked in right now. And I do think the time off did affect the Florida Panthers. I, I do. So who you got in game two? I know you. I know. I know. We're leaning towards the under. It makes it makes a lot of sense to me. Both these goals, both these teams have scored more than expected, uh, and that should regress to the mean, especially in the tight environment of uh, you know the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. But you're not from Vegas. I'm from Vegas. At least I claim to be. I know who my heart says is going to win. They're minus two fifty to win the whole thing. Championship coming to my town. But who does the expert think is going to win game two? Uh, I think Florida has a good chance. I really do. Um, I no, gotta say that. I just think the, I, I was I, having a good morning, man. It, listen, 
I, I Vegas could easily win this game. But if we're talking numbers here and we're talking odds, I I think that it's a lot closer than minus one forty. Okay. Yeah. Like like Vegas minus one twenty, I think is a good bet. Vegas minus one forty or minus one forty five, not a good bet. I don't think that those numbers make sense to me. I think this these te- these teams are these teams are much closer, and I think that the layoff and game one and all the pomp and circumstance affected Florida in game one, and I can see a much better performance in game two. So the Dade County eighth seed picks up a win in game two after a bounce to bounce back after game one loss. Got it. Mm, yeah, we've seen that before, huh? Makes perfect sense. Yeah, should have called. I should have bet money line, man. Both of these teams. I guess I have an opportunity to make up for uh, my make amends here with the Panthers in game two. Yes. Money line. Let's take a look at the Major League Baseball board for this Monday. And we have uh, an early evening start in Boston. This is the makeup game from, uh, I guess, Thursday. Uh, the Red Sox and the Rays at Fenway. at Shane McClanahan against Brian Bello. Tampa Bay is a minus 165 favorite with a total of nine. McClanahan, eight and one with a 2.07 ERA on this season. Faced the Red Sox once before uh, back in April. Five innings, only two hits, one run allowed, nine strikeouts in that game for Shane McClanahan, your favorite to win the Cy Young in the American League. Tigers take on the Phillies in Philadelphia. Joey Wentz goes for Detroit. Aaron Nola for the Phillies, who are a heavy favorite, minus 238 total of eight and a half. Marlins will host the Royals. Braxton Garrett goes from Miami and uh, Carlos Hernandez for Kansas City. The A's are at the Pirates. Pittsburgh coming off a sweep of the Cardinals. Pittsburgh has actually won five straight games as they're starting to turn things around. J.P. Sears gets the start for the A's. Johan Oviedo will go for the Pirates. Pittsburgh minus 195. The A's coming off a sweep at the hands of the Marlins uh, as the team continues to just play pathetic baseball. Astros are at the Blue Jays, and Brandon Belak gets the start for the Astros. For the Blue Jays, it'll be Alec Manoa, and honestly, this line just doesn't make sense to me. The Blue Jays minus 125, total of 10 makes sense, but Alec Manoa has been so off this season. He, uh, he made uh, six starts. In the month of May, the Blue Jays lost all six games that he started. He had a 6.15 ERA in the month of May. If you look at his splits at home this season, Alec Manoa has a 6.83 ERA, and he has allowed seven home runs, and opponents are batting 306 against him. He should not be favored over the Houston Astros. I'm sorry. Brewers are at the Reds. Julio Tehran gets a start for the Brewers. And Andrew Abbott will make his Major League debut for the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati minus 115. Total of 9.5. The Cardinals, who are just falling apart once again. They've lost three straight games uh, at the hands of the Pittsburgh Pirates. They couldn't hit Rich Hill yesterday. Absolutely embarrassing for a team that on the season is a top four offense against left-handed pitchers. Well, Looky, looky what we have here tonight. 
a left-handed pitcher in Martin Perez for the Texas Rangers. Rangers are minus 135, total of 9.5. And And on the surface, much like yesterday, I'm thinking the Cardinals are going to mash because why? They are a top-four offense against left-handed pitching. Well, like I said, they couldn't hit Rich Hill, a lefty yesterday. So now I'm supposed to believe that they're going to hit Martin Perez tonight. I can't put my faith again in the Cardinals who just continue to let me down. And finally, the Cubs are at the Padres. Uh, Kyle Hendricks goes for the Cubs. Blake Snell for the Padres. San Diego minus 179, total of eight and a half. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head to pregame.com to take advantage of a variety of special discounts we have available for you. If you are not a member of pregame.com, signing up is fast and free, and every free member gets $25 to use, no strings attached. We're also running a UFC promo for our very own AJ Hoffman, our UFC expert and my co-host here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. You can take $50 off A.J. Hoffman's 90-day UFC access, which means you get every UFC pick from A.J. for every event for the next three months. You can get $50 off using that coupon code UFC50 at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are Straight Out of Vegas AM. <laughs>